I mean, as a leader, I think you need to lead by example. So if you are working 18 hours a day and you don't have time to eat and you're blocking your calendar, you know, minute by minute for meetings, your team will feel the requirement to do the same, even if you are telling them that they don't have to. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. I am thrilled to announce that I've written my first book, and it is called Values First how knowing your core beliefs can get you the life and career you want. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories from coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those symbol misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes & Noble or Amazon. I want to make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to this week's episode of the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. This week, I'm excited for you to hear from Elizabeth Rosenberg. She has such a relatable story, one that I can relate to, on burnout. In our discussion, we talked about her personal experience with burnout from a job that she loved and her journey to well-being. Elizabeth Rosenberg is the founder of The Good Advice Company, a marketing and communications consultancy that coaches agencies, brands, and C-suite leaders on global messaging strategies, brand positioning, and thought leadership. Elizabeth is the embodiment of a true new era global PR and marketing executive, standing for resourcefulness, creativity, and effectiveness in a time fueled by heightened social and cultural awareness. An entrepreneur at her core, Elizabeth's true passion lies in working with new or reimagined cutting-edge brands that are bringing consumers products and tools that make life more enjoyable, accessible, and healthy. Based in Los Angeles, Elizabeth is currently working on her book and speaking about her health and wellness journey while maintaining a high-profile position, working with some of the best-known and innovative brands in the world. She truly believes there is a future where wellness, intuition, and the corporate world collide. In our discussion, we talked about what leaders need to do to support their teams, the importance of empathy, especially now in the pandemic, and what you can do for yourself to avoid burnout. We talked about Elizabeth's company and how she made the career decisions to get there. 
I can't wait for you to hear our discussion. Let's get started. Well, I want to welcome you, Elizabeth, to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to chat. I know this is a long time coming. We've been with holidays and all the other things scheduled. We're finally here together to connect. And I'm just so grateful to meet you and to hear your story. And that's the question that I want to, I want to start with. Can you tell me a little bit more about yourself and your story? I would love to. So my name is Elizabeth Rosenberg. I am the founder of the Good Advice Company. I'm a marketing and communications consultant with um, a couple decades under my belt. My story is one that is unbelievably relatable, I think, to everyone right now. I was working an amazing job that I loved. I was traveling the world. I was working on the best brand in the world, in my opinion. And I landed myself in the emergency room where I lost all of my motor skills. They didn't know what was wrong with me. They thought that I was either having a stroke or that I had overdosed. I had driven myself to the emergency room. It is quite a... uh, quite a tale. Um, I literally like got to the emergency room and like threw my keys at someone and like collapsed on the floor. Uh, and the next thing I knew I was in a, uh, hospital bed, um, with everyone screaming at me, asking me like what I had taken or what was wrong with me. And I literally had no way to tell them what was going on. Finally, I had calmed down enough to tell them that I was having a migraine and they were like, Oh, well, yeah, like your CAT scan came back fine. And your blood came back fine. Like there's nothing there's nothing wrong with you, which then honestly like freaked me out more because it's easier to have an immediate diagnosis of this is what is wrong with you than it is for people to say, we have no idea why this just happened. I am also a migraine sufferer. I've had migraines for since I was four years old, but this was next level. This was something different. For the next few months, I went on an intense doctor rounds to try to figure out if anybody could tell me what was wrong with me. And they all came back with the same thing that I was uh, stressed, overworked and burnt out. I was under the impression that that was only possible if you hated your job and you were working, you know, 20 hours a day, but I proved myself wrong because I was working hard and I was working probably much more than people were expecting out of me. That is just unfortunately part of my DNA, I think at this point, but I loved my job. I was doing something that I really, really was passionate about and really enjoyed. And it was something that I didn't necessarily see coming. I think often people talk about the warning signs of burnout and how to not burn out. And I think it is very, very hard to have the self-awareness to see that kind of stuff coming so early on. In 2020, I, or maybe 2021, these years have all blended together at this point. Yeah. Um, in the last year or so, I did put this story out in Business Insider as an op-ed. Um, it's also on my Medium page. So you can read it in full. And it was just alarming. I mean, I received hundreds of emails and messages from people that had experienced something similar. And we're so glad that somebody else was telling a story so they knew that they also weren't alone. Thank you so much for for sharing that story with us. And I I think you're absolutely right. It is so relatable. It is so relatable. And especially right now, I loved how you just highlighted the fact that you didn't think you could get burnout if you loved your job. 
Like, I think there's a misconception, like you said, that like, it's only when you're overworked and you're, you like, maybe you hate your manager or you're not, or you're in a toxic work environment or something. Tell me more about it. What did it, what did it look like? Like, what were your hours? Like, what was your travel schedule? Like, what were your eating habits and sleeping habits? Like what, what was like a day in day out for you when you were in it after you looked at You know, advertising is, and marketing is a very, um, in a weird way, like a rock and roll business. And in like, when this happened, I want to say it was like 2016, 17, like we were in the height of like awesomeness. And I mean, it was, it was, it's a very fun industry. I was responsible for 327 offices, me and a coordinator. Now, was I doing day-to-day work for all of these offices? No. But did all of them chime in every once in a while? Yes. The year that this happened, I traveled over 80,000 miles. Hmm. You know, it's really fun to see the world on somebody else's dime. But you also forget that you're in the air a lot and you are traveling and you are um, not at home. So you're sleeping different. You know, I wasn't in full transparency. I wasn't taking care of myself at all. Like, you know, I was I was eating when I remembered to eat or I was grabbing something on the fly Um, especially with business meetings and stuff, I was drinking more than I normally do. So I look back at that now and think about what like an unhealthy person that was, but the thing about me, and I think this is the thing that rings true with a lot of people that burn out is that your mind has so much more endurance than your body. And you can talk yourself into saying, I got this, I got this. It's just this. I will get myself to the holidays, or I will get myself to spring break, or I will get myself to this you know, long weekend that I have off where I'll then, you know, recharge. And you can always see those kind of moments of the light at the end of the tunnel where you have potential rest coming. And that's what kind of like fuels your fire to keep you going. But when you love your job, you kind of ignore the physical aspect of the signs that you can see coming and you power through with your brain. So I think the first thing that anybody should be wary of is sleep. We need a lot more sleep than we actually think that we need. And this idea of, you know, five hours of sleep a night and that that's just going to like be sustainable for people forever. I mean, you need to know your own body and you need to know, you know, what that means for you. But I think sleep is one of the things that we just really take for granted. (laughs) and We need a lot more of. Yeah, absolutely. I could not agree more. When you were telling your story, I went back to my burnout story and it was really interesting. I was almost kidding myself. It wasn't realistic at all. I had a scheduled back surgery and like glaringly obvious, a big surgery is an outpatient thing, right? But this was something that I was in chronic pain. I was still traveling internationally. I was in this really cool job. And um, I had scheduled surgery right for right after um, a big meeting. And right before the meet, so I was traveling and, um, I was supposed to get off my pain medication and I was like, sure, I'll do that because you have to be off pain medication for a certain amount of time. Um, I was on muscle relaxers for my pain and I just was like, I'll power through it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. (laughs) So I'm like leading meetings, doing all this stuff. And then on the trip, I, I start getting sick, right. My body is just like, nope. Hey, this isn't going to go well for you. I'm still, still in my mind. I'm still going to surgery. And so I, uh, I went to the doctor when I got back from my international trip and the doctor was like, Hey, um, 
you might not be able to have surgery. And I said, wait, what, wait, what? No, 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 no. Because, you know, I have to have the surgery in this time because I can only take this time off before the next big trip. Right. And now, as I think back, I'm like, oh my goodness, like poor, poor decisions. I just was not thinking clearly. I was not prioritizing my health. And guess what? They pushed back the surgery because I tested positive or strep throat. And they said, no, you cannot, you're, you have a, you're, you actually have a fever right now and you can't go into surgery in two days. And I'm telling you that you need to take more time off. And that was just like a, I'm, I consider myself a pretty smart person in general, but it was clouded. My, my brain wasn't working pragmatically, right? It was going to the next thing I like had to do. And I was excited about, but I was completely, completely ignoring my body. And so my body was basically like, nope, you're not having surgery. You're sick. (laughs) I'm so sorry that happened to you. And again, I think these stories are so relatable to everyone that's listening. I mean, like the irony behind all of this is once this happens to you, you tell yourself, this will never happen to me again. I have, you know, like, oh my God, I've like seen the light and I can't believe that I did this to myself. And three years after I landed myself in the emergency room, I was on a business trip in France. And then I had to go to Amsterdam for a meeting with my team. And the second I landed at Amsterdam, I was like, I don't, I don't feel great. And I'd already been in France for a week in massive meetings. And I ended up having pneumonia and was stuck in a hotel room for eight days because I couldn't fly home. In all honesty, I think the people at the hotel took better care of me than I probably would have been able to take care of myself here. Um, But like the doctor came to the hotel room. So I just, you have to have a little bit of grace and a little bit of self-care around yourself to know that like we do digress sometimes and that's okay. And I also think in a time where we're in this pandemic and your anxiety levels are really high. And then it feels like everything's back to normal. And then it's like, we're back in this swing of things where it just feels like the world is crumbling again. We all need to be very cognizant of how we're all dealing with that differently and how that affects how we show up at work. So being unbelievably sympathetic and empathetic about different, um, I think, mental health and physical wellness around just pandemic anxiety is enough to force our society to change how we think. Yeah, absolutely. So you, you went from, you know, pneumonia in Amsterdam. What (laughs) happens after that? How do you, how do you continue to get on this um, idea of a well-being journey? Can you tell me a little bit more about some of the actions that you took and the mindset shifts that you had? Of course. So after my emergency room situation, and they told me that I didn't have a brain tumor and I had just been overworked and stressed out, I launched myself into this wellness journey. And it has been everything from, you know, addressing allergies. I did allergy shots twice a week for three years. Didn't really help, but I tried. Um, I saw Eastern medicine, Western medicine. I have an acupuncturist and I take Chinese herbs every day. I was like, oh my God, I'm going to do past life regression and see if that works. I mean, I did everything that you could possibly think of to try to find spiritual, emotional, physical, and mental sanity and just kind of like equality for myself. Now, I don't know if I will ever get there in all honesty. I think that there's just, again, outside sources and there's things going on in our own lives that kind of get that stuff out of balance, but I'm trying. 
And then post pneumonia, I actually took a month off of work. There was actually an article in the Wall Street Journal around Christmas time around how do you talk to your manager about asking for time off and what that potentially looks like for you. And the best advice that I can give anybody who is is seeking time off is to really come in with a plan and come in very unemotional. Although at times it feels very scary that you feel like you're just going to like burst into tears. I worked with my executive coach, which that's another thing that I would recommend to everybody. It is the best money that I have ever spent in my entire life. Um, It has not only changed how I view business, but it has changed how I work with people differently. It's, It's changed how I act and like move in this world. But I worked with him to really come up with a plan on how I would talk to our CEO. And I walked in and pretty much said, this was like January. And I walked in and said, I've burned out before. I can see that it's coming again. I need some time off. My 40th birthday is coming up in August. I have come to the conclusion that if I can't get this time off, my last day will be on July 31st. And I wasn't trying to come in and, you know, with ultimatums of what this looks like, but I knew that that was the only potential solve for me to be a healthy, a healthy executive. And his name is Matt Jarvis. And honestly, he could not have been a better leader and said, we're not losing you. We need you, whatever you need, we will figure out. But the fact that I came in on emotional and I also had a very long runway allowed for that to come to fruition. And so it's, it's, you have to ask for what you need, even though it can be quite scary because um, if you don't ask for it, what's the worst they're going to say? No. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But this wellness journey has been a fun one. I mean, I think, unfortunately, the way that our mental health and medical situation is set up, there are so many different alternative forms of medicine that I think we don't have access to unless you are privileged and have a budget for that. But I also think that like, my biggest pet peeve is when somebody says to me, oh my God, have you tried this? And I think it's amazing that people want to share, but like what works for one person 99% of the time doesn't work for somebody else. Mm -hmm. So I do think that you need to try out a bunch of different things for you and see what works for you and then be completely unapologetic for what that might be. If you need to see a shaman, see a shaman. If you need to see an MFT and to go to therapy once a week, do that. If you need to acupuncture, chiropractics, you know, if you need any of these other things and ways of healing, if that works for you, be unapologetic about it. It's really great advice. What has the pandemic done for you? Good, bad in terms of some of this wellness? The pandemic has been interesting. It's been very grounding in a lot of ways. I think um, I did. This is the fun. This is a plot twist for you. I quit my job on March 2nd of 2020. So literally like right before the world imploded and in many ways there was freedom in that, but there was also a lot of um, fear in that. So I think when the world kind of closed down and I was forced to be inside and kind of be with those thoughts, it was terrifying, but also unbelievably empowering to really lean into what I love to do, what I wanted to do and the kind of people that I wanted to work with. So I launched a new company and it's been going really, really well. I also kind of reconnected with like, I was always an athlete growing up. I have like stress walked pretty much all over Los Angeles. And there's so many parts of the neighborhood that I live in. And like, I didn't even know existed because we don't walk here. So I just think taking that time and blocking out that time for just my, I almost, that's like my meditation 
It's when I would do phone calls sometimes. It's when I would listen to music. I'm sure part of my neighborhood is really over my rendition of Atlantis Morissette's You Ought to Know, like that I just sing at the top of my lungs sometimes because I need to get it out. So I don't know. I just, I think that um, there's a lot of loneliness, but a lot of self-reflection and also being very vocal about that. Finding the people that you can talk about that with, I think is really important. Did you lean on different types of relationships in your entrepreneurial journey? You know, the thing that's been very interesting is that everyone was open to like a Zoom coffee. So there are people that I would now consider some of my very close friends who I've never met in person. And like, that is rad. I mean, think about like what a cool outcome that is. Because otherwise, you know, and I'm sure you've done this, where you are on a flight to New York for a 12-hour meeting and then turn around and come home. Like, I will never do that again. Like, no one should ever have to do that again. That's ridiculous. But I think that has been a positive. But I also think this idea of this, like, churn and, like, needing to be available to everybody all the time, while I've let some new people in, I've definitely said goodbye to others, which is also terrifying and um, rewarding. It's a very weird dynamic between the two. What led you to um, to make that big career move right before the pandemic started? There was no um, growth. So it's part of the thing I, I really love about your podcast is seeing yourself in the C-suite. If you do not see opportunity for growth, you need to move on, um, which can be terrifying. But if you don't have a team of people who are supporting you, and who are honest about the trajectory of your career, it it is not the right place for you. I love that. Just unapologetic advice, such great advice. And if they're not cheering for you, when you go to your new thing, those probably weren't your biggest champions to begin with. A hundred percent. It's interesting because my old CEO, who I mentioned before, I was it is so hard to name a company. I'm sure there's, I'm sure your listeners out there can agree. It is like impossible. It's, it's just, it's very hard. And he has definitely turned from boss into mentor. And I was doing a call with him and I was like, I just can't name this company. And he was like, you are so good at like leaning into the intuitive truth of what is behind, you know, strategy and communications. He's like, you just give great advice. Just call it the good advice company. And I was like, okay, there's no way that's available. And like, as I'm on the phone with him, I'm like on, you know, GoDaddy, like Googling. And I'm like, oh my God. He's like, just buy them all. And if you don't use it, I will. And I was like, okay. And then like a week later, I had a logo. And two weeks later, I had a website. Perfect. I I know. So sometimes it's just like, (laughs) I mean, and I had been thinking about this for months and it just was not coming together. So just got to be open. Sometimes it's just that one conversation. Yeah. But yeah, Yeah, exactly. It's a big decision to name a company. So I love that you came and now there's a story around it too, right? Totally, totally, exactly. Yeah, Yeah, that's awesome. As we talk about wellness and how it, um, how it's so relatable, are there any, um, any things that we can do right now? I loved your advice about try on different things. What works for you? What works for you isn't going to potentially work for somebody else. So as a leader, how can you support your team? What should you be looking out for, especially now as we're still knee deep in pandemicness? I mean, as a leader, I think you need to lead by example. So if you are working 
18 hours a day and you don't have time to eat and you're blocking your calendar you know, minute by minute for meetings, your team will feel the requirement to do the same, even if you are telling them that they don't have to. That is the first thing. Secondly, and I know people like leaders specifically hate when I say this, but turn off the noise, like the notifications on Slack. They are made to, and and again, I love Slack and I love instant mess. Like I love all the messenger platforms because I think that they are a a very um, efficient way of communicating, but you don't need to have that in your off hours or on the weekends. One of the things that I loved at my old company was when you're on vacation, they required you to, or recommended that you take your email off of your phone. Love that. Completely, just completely. And honestly, like it is a game changer. And if you're out of office says, I'm not looking at email, text me. If someone actually needs you, they will text you. 90, again, 99% of the time they don't need you. You're fine. And I also just think as a leader, you need to have, you need to understand the difference between empathy and sympathy. I've always had a lot of very sympathetic bosses, but who, who, who on their LinkedIn claim that they are empathetic, but I don't think necessarily know the difference between empathy and sympathy. And um, there's a ton of leadership training and kind of things that we can do to really enhance and learn more about emotional intelligence and the benefit that that can have for an entire team. But that is an investment. And it's something that everybody needs right now because as Gen Z is, you know, entering the workforce, there is no option. I mean, they are unbelievably unapologetic and brutally honest and vulnerable. And if they're not met with understanding at the top, we won't be able to grow them into the leaders that they need to be. And I think the unfortunate thing is like for mid-level managers, no one teaches you how to manage people. They just like give you a team and they're like, you figure it out. And how you manage people is different for how people need to be managed. I mean, it's the, this idea of like the same thing of like love languages. I actually like would have my team take the appreciation, like the work appreciation test. And all of them had different work appreciations. Like some of them really wanted words of affirmation while others needed me to go take them to lunch once a week. But if you don't understand how your team likes to be appreciated, you won't be a an effective people manager. It's really interesting too, because we probably tend to manage how we were managed. And a lot of us have had some really awful managers. Let's just be honest, right? There's some horrible managers out there and they learn from probably bad managers too. And it's really interesting. And you mentioned Gen Z and we were saying, you know, different things about millennials and I'm sure Gen X when they were coming into the workforce, it's interesting because we say this generation needs this or this generation needs that when sometimes they're just the ones to voice it. And guess what? Everybody actually needs something like that or everybody benefits from it, right? 100%. Yes. It's it's interesting though, because I do think that there is this fine line between like what you should share in the workforce and what you shouldn't. And the fact that we've all worked from home and the fact that we have had kids bombard our Zooms and you know people working out of their bed and all of these other things, we've actually invited work into our into our personal space. And I think that idea of work being work and home being home has been very lost. And um, I am hopeful that we'll get that back one day because I think that it is really healthy to have that disconnect of not being kind of it all muddled together. 
and you being able to choose the types of things that you want to be vulnerable about versus them just like being out in the open anyway. Yeah, I think uh, it's interesting. You said it's kind of like a fine line. And I think we know when our managers have crossed it, right? Like, oh, yeah, don't come complain to me about your peer. <laughs> or, oh, hey, <laughs> don't. Um, that's like, t- that's too much information about XYZ. Um, but sometimes the self awareness is not there from leader because they've, maybe they're too comfortable or they're just really not sure how to, how to do the vulnerability thing yet. Even though that's the case, um, I'd rather somebody try than not. Yes, I, I totally agree with you. But I also think that trying is where people get very scared because they don't know if they're doing it right, if they're doing it wrong, if they're saying something that legally they shouldn't be saying or not saying. And this is where I do think that companies can really benefit from individual leadership coaching and team coaching within you know teams. The beauty, I think, of the last year, too, is that there's been so many people in the great resignation who are like, screw this, I'm out. I don't want to do this anymore, who have now turned into coaches who have been on both sides. I mean, the coaching well is deep. It there is. is. There's a coach for everything. <laughs> there's a coach for everything. And it's like, you know, we, especially in the workforce, people come to us because we are experts in whatever field that we need. We're not experts in necessarily management or behavioral analytics or that kind of stuff. So hire somebody to do that for you. I love that advice. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for your time today. I've had, it was such a great chance to connect and thank you so much for sharing your story. I'm sorry that that was your experience, but I'm really happy that others can learn from it and hopefully put in place some of these things to get on their own wellness journey to try new things. So what is the best way for people to connect with you? I am on Instagram. I'm on Twitter at good advice co. And, uh, I always recommend that people follow me on LinkedIn. I think that I'm my most authentic self there where I can have a few more words to, to share some good advice. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for the good advice that you've shared here today. And I will link your uh, LinkedIn profile in our show notes to make sure that people can connect with you there. And just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. And yeah, good luck to everybody. Be kind to yourself. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care.